Welcome to Rivers in the Desert International, a revival ministry dedicated to bringing the living waters of God's love to a hurting and dying world. It is our desire as you listen to the following message that the Holy Spirit will fill you afresh and that you would be ignited into a fervency for Jesus. This is the day to be filled with the knowledge of His glory as the waters cover the sea. God is doing something new on planet Earth today, and you and I have the great privilege to be a part of it. We love you. Be blessed. Let's turn our Bibles this evening to Zechariah chapter 1, the book of Zechariah chapter 1, hallelujah, get out your swords tonight, get them nice and sharp, hallelujah, this is our only offensive weapon in the Ephesian prayer armor, everything else is defensive. Glory to God. Lord, we want to thank you for this evening. Thank you for digging a really deep well within us. O Lord of the armies of heaven, we report for duty tonight. Glory to God. Hallelujah. As so many believers around the world, especially in America, are taking this last weekend, vacation, picnics, boatings, outings, whatever, we report for war tonight. Stand in the gap. Hallelujah. To press in. To go where no man has gone before except the Lord Jesus. To run this race. To look forward to your embrace. We were made to seek your face. Hallelujah. Some trust in chariots, some trust in horses. But we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Give us clear vision tonight for the battle that's ahead. For you are rising up in your power in this hour. I love the smell of your fragrance of war. Hallelujah. May every heart be a hearing heart, every ear a hearing ear. Do your way. Your will be done, not our will, in the remainder of these meetings. Your will be done, Father. We give you praise and glory and honor for it. We ask this will be the best service on planet Earth tonight. Not best in our eyes, but best in your eyes. Hallelujah. And I thank you for it, Lord, in the mighty name of Yeshua. Amen. Zechariah chapter 1. Zechariah is one of those prophets, minor prophets with a major message. Zechariah in Hebrew, it means to remember the Lord. And I believe that embedded in this 8th century prophetic literature. Before we go to Zechariah, just for those that have not heard this before, go with me to 2 Peter chapter 1. We'll be right back to Zechariah in just a moment. But the Lord is digging a deeper core sample tonight. Hallelujah. And Jesus went teaching, preaching, and then healing. 
And we're just going to keep going for it. Now, Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 16, Peter at the end of his life before he is martyred, this is the final words of instruction he gives to the believers before he is killed and goes to heaven. He is the one who walked with the master. He was the one who was the leading apostle. He was the one who blew it big time, and the apostle Paul had to rebuke him for his hypocrisy in the book of Galatians. He is the one that had the revelation that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Amen? Who do men say that I am? Jesus said to him. And he said it rightly. He says, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. And then a few verses later, less than a half a dozen verses later, Jesus says, we're going to Jerusalem to be martyred. And he says, no way. No way. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. For you set your things, your interests on the things of men, not the things of God. So here is an apostle, the number one man that Jesus is handing off the baton to, who has the revelation that Jesus is the Messiah. He even saw Jesus transfigured in all his glory on the mountaintop. He saw Elijah, he saw Moses, he saw the glory cloud, he saw Jesus in all his glory. Come on, folks, are you with me tonight? And it was in that environment that Peter had this revelation, but still a few verses later, he became the incarnate Satan resisting the will of God and telling the very Messiah, you're not going to Jerusalem, but that's not what our plans are for you. And so I like to read the end of somebody's life, not the middle or the beginning, because he's been there and done that, okay? He's made a lot of mistakes. And now he's about to be martyred, and he's giving to us, you and I, instructions for the last days. We would be very wise to take heed to what he is saying. And Second Peter chapter 2 and verse 16, For we did not follow cleverly devised tales made known to you the power and the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. A lot of people build their Christian life on testimonies. He says, verse 17, when he received honor and glory from God the Father, such an utterance as this was made to him by the majestic glory. This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Hallelujah. This week we're trying to find out, hallelujah, what does it mean to please God? Ha <laughs> ha. And we ourselves heard this utterance made from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. And so we have the prophetic word made more sure to which you do well to pay attention as a lamp shining in a dark place. The day dawns and the morning star arises in your hearts. So what Peter is saying here is even though we saw the majestic glory, we heard God utter on the mountain. How many people would like to be on that mountaintop experience? And if that was happening on the mountain over here on 46, okay, people would be flocking in from all over the world. There was an example of this. The Lord seared into my heart was I was preaching at a small church across the street from the Christian science, uh, uh, is it Christian scientists? Now, who are the people that Tom Cruise and them are involved with? Scientologists, thank you. And uh, so we are preaching there in Clearwater, Florida, at a church across the street from the Scientology Institute. 
and the Spirit of God told me to take the whole church and stand in front of their headquarters and blow the shofar for judgment. Hallelujah. And several days later, a woman was revealed to be a, really kidnapped against her will from Germany, and the whole thing came out, and it was a big, you know, big balagon there in Clearwater, and it showed again that this was a cult. Anyway, moving right along, and we were there, and I began to tell the people here, how many people here are ready for revival? Amen, Brother Scott, we're ready. I says, are you really ready? You think these people are just going to come in? Uh, are you, if you think people are going to start showing up, then how many people here have already contacted the city and the police department for crowd control? How many people here have got on the Internet, they're ready and able to order $40,000 worth of toilet paper <clears throat> and diapers and cleaning supplies and everything else needed to facilitate the people in this facility or a bigger place? How many people have gone out there and got, bought the reflective vests and the flashlights? Come on. You say, to you too, because unless you believe that God is going to send revival, you're going to have no corresponding action. Faith is known by its corresponding action. Hallelujah. Do you have, are you ready to handle people calling and to have places for them to stay in people's homes or in the hotels? And you know, Somebody needs to put this together, hallelujah, and have it ready in their Holy Ghost Rolodex, hallelujah, to pull this out, to, to implement this strategy if you believe God's going to fulfill this word that this sister just had. And the problem is most Christians are just lazy. Most Christians are like blisters. They only show up when the work is finished. Because you put every, all the pressure on, you know, the paid shepherd to do all the work. When you go home and, you know, well, I'm going to keep on stepping on toes. Maybe we'll just cut off the foot instead. Hallelujah. Brothers and sisters, if you believe God's going to do something, then by faith, start doing something to prepare. Faith, hallelujah, is of the unseen realm. Faith without corresponding action is dead. If you believe that you're healed, hallelujah, you make steps. If, you, if Abraham believes he's a father, he called himself a father when he wasn't a father. He changed his name, hallelujah. God changed his name and he called himself Abraham when he was not a father. And unless you have faith in corresponding action, God is not pleased. Okay? So, Thank you for your great zeal tonight. Hallelujah. Do we need to pass out cappuccino right now or something? Shake yourself. Don't let your body, hallelujah, fall asleep. Glory to God. So we see that I was in this church across the street from the Scientology Institute. And I began to tell them, if you believe God's going to send revival, then where's all the traffic cones? Where's the guys with the flashlights and the vest for crowd control? And they're like, oh, but, 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 but we haven't thought about that. I guarantee you lots of folks are going to come. You'll know about it. And you better be ready. So the next day, I was driving to church, that same church, to begin the next service. And before I got to church, about 10 miles before the church, there was bumper-to-bumper -bumper traffic. I had never seen this before in Clearwater, Florida. 
bumper-to-bumper -bumper traffic as far as you could see. And I got to the church about two hours late to the revival services. And as I walked in, the deacon said to me, Brother Scott, did you hear what happened? It's just like what you said. And I said, what happened? And he says, well, i got to tell you what happened. Just what you preach. I said, listen, I know I preached about signs and wonders. When God breaks out signs and wonders, there'll be lots of people show up. Are you ready for it? Well, it happened today. And I said, what happened? They said, this lady was driving uh, in the parking lot of the, uh, a certain bank in Clearwater, Florida, and she looked up at one of the windows, and it looked like there was an image on the window of the Virgin Mary. So she went to her priest, okay, and before you know it, <clears throat> within three to four hours, the news hears about it and everything, and boatloads of people are driving to the Seminole Bank building in Clearwater, Florida, to look at this so-called image of Jesus. Wall-to-wall -wall people, folks. And so I said, well, what are we doing here? Let's go. So we drove there, and we got in the parking lot later that night. It was around 9 p.m., and I got in the parking lot, and I saw all these people in wheelchairs and people out there with their Muslim beads and the Christian, you know, I mean, Catholic worry beads and all that stuff. And they're there looking, and all the news cameras are out. And all of a sudden you hear this, boom. And there's people that were driving, and they look, what's all these people doing over here? Arr, boom, hit somebody in front of them. And <laughs> this happened the next night. And I began to wonder to myself, wow, is this really from God or what? So I walked up to this image, and I looked at it, and I says, well, it could be the Virgin Mary. Looks like Elvis Presley from over here. And I looked around, and I saw how superstitious, how mystical, and how hungry people are in our culture for something to appear to change their life. And I had my shofar, hallelujah, and I was in this parking lot full of people. I was going to stand up on the retaining wall next to this image, hallelujah, and I was going to blow the shofar, hallelujah, as loud as I could, and I was going to preach to the unknown God like Paul did. Hallelujah. And I was getting ready to stand up, and the Holy Ghost said, don't do it. I said, oh. <laughs> he says, I did this, I allowed this, excuse me, I allowed this to happen to wake up that church you're preaching in. He says, this is not for me, this is just a water stain. See, in Florida, there was this hard water. And over the years, there was a big uh, royal palm tree growing next to these solar windows, solar uh, panel, you know, windows. And over the years of the water sprinkler system, okay, reclaimed water it is, spraying on the palm trees and getting on the solar film of the windows and the hot sun baking it, it created this rainbow image. It was not the Virgin Mary. It was a water stain. The Clearwater Police Department spent $40,000 that month just in crowd control. They exhausted their entire budget. Over 260,000 people flew in within the next month to see this image. It was considered Christian, uh, Christian, canon, uh, what do they do in the Catholic Church? Whatever. They made it a relic, okay? They pulled it out. And they brought it to the, to the church so people can go to the church instead of this empty parking lot. And it says even in the newspaper that the owner of the Seminole Bank building says, I don't want people all excited about it. The image has been there for years. It's just a water stain. 
Brothers and sisters, I'm trying to get your attention tonight, because if you believe that God's going to do something, are you ready for crowd control? I know you're not ready. That's why God's telling me to preach this to you. So you need to pull up your bootstraps, hallelujah, and somebody here start facilitating, what are we going to do if people start showing up? Because we need all hands on deck near, okay? We need hospitality. We need children's workers. We need all kinds of stuff. We need deliverance room going on, hallelujah. Because when the people come in that are full of demons, they need a Holy Ghost flea bath, hallelujah. And you need to have services in a different part of the building or a different location to cast the devils out of them because those devils will come in this service, especially the homeless people, and they'll mess up the service going on here. This is the place to worship God. Deliverance is going on in here. The next room or area could be baptism of the Holy Ghost and water baptism. Hallelujah. This is where the worship is going on. And if you're not interested in this, I might as well go back to Israel. I know some people here are interested. I don't know about the rest of you guys. I'm getting to know you right now. Hallelujah. But if you're not interested in this, I'm going back to Israel and chase down terrorists. Because listen, folks, we, this is what we're believing for. And some sister doesn't even really know what's going on, has a dream or whatever, okay? And are we here, are we like, you know, well, I'll believe it when I see it, Brother Scott. <clears throat> You'll be like Igor? I don't know, Winnie the Pooh. I've been here such a long Is that that donkey's name? Igor, excuse me. <laughs> You're like, well, I don't want to work. I just want to come and enjoy God and see people get saved. Okay. Go home. We need your seat. How do you spell revival? W-O-R-K. Capitalized. Highlighted italics. The biggest Roman font you can find. Hallelujah. It is work. I've been in revival. Hallelujah. It's wonderful. But it is work to get people cleaned hallelujah to get the fish cleaned and cooked hallelujah and this is what we're called to do discipleship make disciplined followers and so i went back to that church the next night and they said wow brother scott this is awesome i said see god told me he's allowed that to happen to wake up this church because when things get really bad Okay, and people realize, you know, Cruz and Michael Jackson and all these other people, Scientologists, okay? This is not the real thing. All those people brainwashed across the street will start rushing to find the first Holy Ghost place. What if the glory cloud appears over the top of this building? I guarantee you people are going to find about it. If they're hungry for some stupid water stain on the side of a bank building, how much more if the real glory appears over his people? So get ready for it. She's ready. So you hear what's being said. Come on, hallelujah. We have to activate. We have to mobilize. And so going back to 2 Peter and verse 17, 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 17. Peter is saying, even though we had a glory visitation on Mount Tom, and that's what most people are coming for. Most people are coming to a meeting to feel something, to experience something, to see something, 
to feel a physical change, okay? Most people are not coming to be corrected, okay, filleted, come on, reproved, and equipped. So when you're in that place, you just need to say, Lord, not my will, your will be done, and you'll allow the Spirit to rise up and have ascendancy over the lower nature. Amen? Glory to God. Now it goes on and says here that even though we heard the majestic glory, how would you like to be in that mountaintop meeting? To hear the majestic glory. Nobody? Can you imagine being up there? And they all fell on their faces? Yet Peter says, even though we have heard this voice, verse 18, he says we have a more sure prophetic word. Isn't that amazing? Come on, folks. The more sure prophetic word is the 8th and 7th century Old Testament prophets. Because he goes on and says here, all scripture, all prophecy of scripture is not made by the act of human will. I am very concerned as if I met believers, especially in California as of late, the level of the word of God in their hearts is very, very low. It's almost like either they're very, very nominal, okay, and very secular, and can't really tell they're a Christian unless they say they are, or that people are really spooky and mystical, okay, and they don't get in the Word very much. We need to get in the Word because Peter is saying even though we had the greatest visitation ever on planet Earth beyond Mount Sinai experience, okay, when God's glory showed up on Sinai, hallelujah, the law was given. When God's glory showed up on this mountain, Mount Hermon, hallelujah, Jesus was given to us, hallelujah, for a sacrifice. Elijah and Moses came to encourage. This is an incredible event. And it says, even though we, have, we heard the majestic voice of glory, we have a more surer, more stable, stronger prophetic word than God's own voice on a mountaintop. And this voice, hallelujah, is found in the 8th and 7th century prophetic literature of the Bible. It is our morning star light in this hour of darkness, Peter says. Hallelujah. Now, the Old Testament law has been fulfilled, thank God for that, but there's whole segments of Isaiah, Micah, Zechariah that have not been fulfilled yet, brothers and sisters. And this is the prophets that he's speaking about. It says in Romans chapter 16, Paul says, the gospel I preach is according to the Old Testament prophets. You know, and you know why you don't want to hear what I'm saying tonight? It's because you don't want to work and read. You'd rather get on the internet, okay, and surf around and be entertained by some YouTube Christian videos than dig it in and get to know which book is written before Zechariah. And I'm going to take some people to some task. Hallelujah. I'm going to give you a gluteus, gluteus maximus whooping. Hallelujah. This week because your word level stinks. And you're calling out for God for revival? He only fulfills his word. Come on. You want to be in a combat mode and you don't even know where your sword is? Give me a break. And you can get mad and all bent out of shape and kick me out of town and send me on an airplane. I don't care, but I'm here to prepare God's way. Hallelujah. And it is in this atmosphere we must get ready. 
Because God is about to do something. We don't need any more words. We don't need more encouragement. We know he's about to do something in this region. Hallelujah. And we have to prepare the way. And we have to look for the morning star light coming up right now. And the morning star light coming up is a direct reference to the planet Venus, okay, in Israel. I take you to the desert. You can see it. That before the uh, hot sun comes up, there is Venus comes up. And it's bright enough to break camp. Get the camels loaded before the sun comes up. As once the sun comes up, woo, forget about it. It is hot and you can't travel. And so when we see the morning star scriptures of Isaiah concerning Israel, concerning these last days, Zechariah, Malachi, when we start seeing these scriptures being fulfilled, it is giving us a light that what's coming next? The sun himself. Hallelujah. We've got to read this. We've got to know this. Hallelujah. Because final exams is coming one day. And he's going to ask you, did you read my book? Yep. Conviction is flowing sweet right now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Turn up the heat. Make people miserable. Hallelujah. Comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You start reading Isaiah, and you're going to see the true gospel message that Paul preached, and not this milquetoast message of a Unitarian. Ex, ex, anyway. Why do we need to know these morning stars texts in this hour? Verse 20, know this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made. It's not talking about prophecy, okay, in the local church. It's talking about the prophetic literature these men whenever they prophesied not by the act of human will but men moved by the holy spirit spoke from god the word moved here is the same greek word used of the huge hurricane force wind that shipwrecked paul on the island of malthus malthus think about that these guys gave way to the wind they could not fight against it and they were shipwrecked remember that in the book of acts that same force of the wind is the same word used here of how these men wrote down these texts. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord, breathe upon your people tonight to get into the word, to know the word. Hallelujah. Not just a promissory note, not just the nice scriptures. Know the whole message. Oh, give him a hunger, Lord. Hallelujah. But there's coming a day that men and women will be famished because there's no word in the land. Why must we know these things? Chapter 2, verse 1. But false prophets arose among the people just as there will be false teachers among you who have secretly introduced destructive heresies, denying the master who brought them, bringing swift destruction upon themselves. Look at this. And many, talking about Christians, many Christians will follow their sensuality and because of them, the way of truth will be maligned, and by in their greed they'll exploit you with false words. So how did these false teachers get among us? Because at one time they were good teachers. Go with me to the book of Jude to highlight even more the warning that's happening right now. Because folks, when revival breaks out and awakening, it attracts everything, Okay? And you have to be ready for spiritists, Satan worshipers, witches, warlocks, would-be vampires, whoever else showing up to disrupt the place. You read the history of revival, 
you've got to have your discernment right on, okay? In Jude 1, 1, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, a brother of James, to those who are called beloved in the God the Father kept for Jesus Christ, may mercy and peace and love be multiplied to you. Beloved, I was writing, making every effort to write to you about our common salvation. I felt the necessity to write to you, appealing that you contend earnestly for the faith that was once of all delivered for the saints. Why? Because it says here certain persons have crept in. And folks, I want to listen very carefully. You have to hear this warning. If you do not hear this warning, you can be driving off a bridge and not pay attention to the red flashing lights if there is no bridge on the other side of the hill. You need to pay attention and not sleep at the wheel right now. It says in the book of Jude, and you can read it later, that we have to contend for this pure faith because there's coming a day, and it's among us now, that there will be wandering stars of darkness. There will be fallen angels that will be planted in our midst. They will be like clouds without water, and they're here among us even now. And they're going to bring destructive heresies, and they're going to be planted, and we won't be aware of it. And the only way we can identify them is by their fruit. Not their teaching, but by the character fruit. Paul says, warns us in the last days, there would be doctrines of demons, okay? And also he warns in Corinthians that there's going to come people that are like messengers of righteousness, okay? But they're angels of, appearing as angels of light. Come on, you guys look at me like that. Come on, let's look. Read this here, look. Verse, uh, verse 5. Now I desire to remind you that... you. You know all things, once for that the Lord, after saving a people out of the land of Egypt, subsequently destroyed those who do not believe. And angels who do not keep their own domain, but abandon their own proper abode, he has kept in eternal bonds under darkness for the judgment of the great day. Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them, since they are in the same way indulged in gross immorality, it's no different in, in California than it was Sodom and Gomorrah, and when after strange flesh are exhibited as an example in undergoing the punishment of eternal fire. Yet in the same manner, these men, by dreaming, defile the flesh, reject authority, revile angelic majesties. That goes on over here. Look at this. It's, it's just powerful. Verse 10. These men re revile the things which they do not understand and the things which they know by instinct, like unreasoning animals, by things they are, are destroyed. Woe to them, for they have gone the way of Cain. And for pay they have rushed headlong into the error of Balaam. They perish in rebellion of Korah. These men are those who are hidden reefs in your love feast. When they feast with you without fear, caring for themselves, clouds without water, carried along by the winds, autumn trees without fruit, doubly dead, uprooted, wild waves of the sea, casting up their own shame like from wandering stars. So what he's relaying here, Jude, the brother of Jesus, the brother of James, is relaying to us that in the last days there's going to be one these wandering stars of darkness that are going to appear in our midst, okay? And we have to be ready for it. And they are here even now. They've been planted by the enemy. There's tares among the wheat, and it's happening right now. Whew. Amazing. Now, if you came for a nice Saturday service and go home and have ice cream, hallelujah, that's not what the Lord wants to do tonight. He wants to warn us of the hour that we're in. We, last time we talked about the waging war within our members, okay? Did you enjoy that? That I enjoyed it myself too, hallelujah. It gives us extra um, strategy, okay, to be spirit-filled believers, amen, not carnally-led believers, amen? 
But as we're saying tonight, we, I didn't come to play games with people, okay? I didn't come just to tickle people and give you a nice message. I'm looking at the macro picture, okay? And I'm telling you that California has more influence in America than New York and Washington, D.C. And people, I know people that are totally addicted to movies. And as I've been going with Steve different places and we're talking to people, I am amazed how many people say they're Christians, but I couldn't tell they're a Christian, you know, if they had a Christian written on the cross of their head, you know. Because what they say and how they act doesn't line up. But I do find one thing, these guys are all talking about movies. They're all talking about entertainment. They're all talking about this. Do you understand what Hollywood has done to our culture? Do you really understand? You drive past the movie theater and just look at what's playing. Look how dark everything is. Look how the people, the Bible says, those who hate me love death. Look at all the shows about death and violence. I come into the airport, you know, and there'd be usually Procter & Gamble would be advertising Atlanta Airport. Now you've got CSI, you know, some crime scene. Come on, people are, just look at what's happening. People are, those who hate me love death. They love this death. They love this violence. They love this dark realm. It's not just Harry Potter anymore. Oh, the skull head? You know, and you know what disturbs me is that Madonna has a private gateway into the Prime Minister's office of Israel. The witch herself is sitting down and breaking bread with Benjamin Netanyahu yesterday. You see, brothers and sisters, huh, what is Kabbalah? It's Jewish mysticism. It's not just Jewish mysticism. The, the beginnings of Kabbalah in the Middle Ages is the roots for modern-day Satanism. Kabbalah is, you're, you cannot study Kabbalah if you're under 40 years of age. Because so many people have lost their minds. Kabbalah was started in a place in northern Galilee in a mystical movement of rabbis. And what they want to do is explore the deepest realms of darkness. And that right up, you know, that's right up Madonna's alley right there. You see, when she comes to Tel Aviv and says this has the most energy of any city on earth, and she's attracted to Judaism, she's attracted to Kabbalah. Folks, this is a great warning right now because the youth, there's so many youth that were attracted to her in this concert. And I'm concerned, I'm concerned for our generation because our generation, you know, they don't think twice, young kids, about reading Harry Potter. You know, we look at the breakdown in the school system. We look, come on, folks. We look at the, our culture that does not want to go to war. You know how hip, it's so hypocritical that so many people were against the war in Iraq. But we have a greater war, a more dangerous war in Afghanistan going on right now. And nobody's causing the uproar about that. And we're sending more troops there right now. And it's a more dangerous situation. Afghanistan, without a doubt, is the seedbed of the darkest realms known to man. What's inside Afghanistan, and the excuse they use is Islam to portray it, is the most demonized religion, most demonized people ever on planet. They are warlike people. And uh, we're going in there, and if we don't get our act together and pray for our country, we'll get whooped just like the Soviet Union did there in Afghanistan. 
And it's happening right now. It's falling apart. The whole thing is falling apart. And, you know, we, kumbaya, my Lord, you know, amazing grace on Sunday morning. And we go out and live our lives, you know, let's pray God, let's pray for revival. And we don't understand really what we're asking for. We are going to ask for whatever God wants in the Scriptures. Hallelujah. And what we need to ask for is a full-blown awakening. Glory to God. Go with me to Zechariah chapter 1. This is why we must understand. What I'm going to read to you now is a morning star text of the last days, of the epic final battle of time that we must gear up for. Hallelujah. And this has not been fulfilled yet. It's in the process of being fulfilled because this is a morning star text. Hallelujah. And when the morning star text arises and you start to see a little light from the morning star, glory to God, you say, well, that's happening today. What's coming next is the Son Himself. Hallelujah. Zechariah. Chapter 1. Verse 7. On the 24th day of the 11th month, which is the month of Shabbat, in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to Zechariah the prophet, the son of Bechariah, the son of Edu, as follows. For those who are newer believers and don't understand the timeline here, this is Darius. This is right after the event with Esther, Nebuchadnezzar's dead now. The Jewish people have been in Babylon for 70 years. Jeremiah had a prophetic word. Okay, don't pray to this Jerusalem because God's going to destroy it. They threw him in a pit. They afflicted him. Okay, he cried out. Nebuchadnezzar came 587 B.C., holocausted the city. Over a million Jewish people were killed. And the leaders and priests and etc. were taken to, captive to Babylon the farmers were left back to work the fields to pay taxes to Nebuchadnezzar. The rest of Israel was exiled for 70 years in Babylon. Y'all remember those stories, okay? So now it's time for them to leave Babylon, and Zechariah the prophet gets a word. Hallelujah. And the word he gets is verse 8. I saw at night, and behold, a man was riding on a red horse. Those who like horses in this area, hallelujah, perk up now. And he was standing among the myrtle trees which were in the ravine with red sorrel and white horses behind him. Then I said, My Lord, what are these? And the angel who was speaking with me said, I will show you what these are. And the man who was standing among the myrtle trees answered and said, These are those whom the Lord has sent to patrol the earth. Now before we go further, let's just describe to you these there's there's angelic activity over these meetings. There's different classifications of angels, okay? And you can read about that in the Bible. But there's also supernatural beings in the Bible, okay, in the spirit realm that are not listed as angels. And what we have here is a Calvary. We have these supernatural beings that are on these horses, and their whole job is to patrol the earth. They're not angels. They're supernatural beings. Don't try to figure it out. We see through a glass dimly, okay? We don't understand everything. What God's revealed to us is what we know, okay? But there are supernatural beings that are patrolling the earth, and the Hebrew word, they walk to and fro throughout the whole earth. It's the same word used of Satan who walks to and fro, okay? And he came before God, okay? Remember that? And he went to tip God, I mean, tempt, uh, take care of Job, and God says, go ahead and do what you want with Job. He's... He'll never deny, deny me, hallelujah. And most people go, oh, no, don't read Job to me. I don't want to read that. 
But, you know, it only lasted about nine months. Hallelujah. He got twice as much back as he had before. Nothing bad about that. Hallelujah. We should study Job some night. Hallelujah. But we see these supernatural beings on horses that walk to and fro throughout the whole earth. They're patrolling the earth, folks. There's unseen beings here tonight. It goes on and says here, in verse 11, so they answered the angel of the Lord who was standing among the myrtle trees and said, we have patrolled the earth and behold, all the earth is peaceful and quiet. Ah, oh, mission accomplished. Let's go back. Everything's peaceful and quiet. Kumbaya, wonderful. La, la, la. Doris Day, whatever it be will be. Let's go shopping, you and me. Okay. Everything's fine. Let's go home. Nice service. Everything's peaceful and quiet. We need a little peace, a little rest, you know. Calm my nerves. Is that what heaven wants? Good. Let's read what it says here. Then the angel of the Lord, verse 12, answered and said, O Lord of the armies of heaven, how long will I have no compassion for Jerusalem and the cities of Judah, which has been indignant these 70 years. Bingo. We just found the key right there. 70 years. You see, these patrolling beings are not even angels. Because the angel is talking to um, Zechariah here. These are supernatural beings who patrol the earth, and they do not want the earth to be quiet and peaceful. Surprise. They're patrolling the earth because the Jewish people are still in bondage. And there was a word delivered by God through Jeremiah, hallelujah, that after 70 years, you'll come back to Israel. And the 70 years is up. Come on. And the patrolling spirits are looking for somebody who's not quiet. Jeremiah 29. Make a left-hand turn. Jeremiah 29. Jeremiah 29, message to the exiles, verse 7. Hallelujah. Seek the shalom of the city. Jeremiah 29, 7, where I've sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord in its behalf, for in its shalom you'll have shalom. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets who are in your midst, your diviners, deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams which they dream. Why don't we test prophets more? Why don't we test dreamers more? Why don't come on, folks? Verse 9 For they prophesy falsely to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. Now, what are they prophesying? Well, uh, in chapter 28, there's a prophet named Hananiah. You know what Hananiah means in, in Hebrew? The grace of God. Here's a prophet named Hananiah, the grace of God who gives a milquetoast message to the king saying, don't listen to Jeremiah. Nebuchadnezzar will never come to this city. And Jeremiah says, you're wrong. You're prophesying wrongly. And they, he hit him. They threw him in a pit. And that's our main persecution tonight. Our main persecution is going to come from the prophets that are so-called prophets that give a good, greasy grace message, okay? So you can line their pockets Okay, prophets that are hired, 
to prophesy what the people want to hear. And they did not want to hear, this is Jerusalem, this is God's city, look at all the promise we have. No way Nebuchadnezzar ever come here. Don't listen to Jeremiah. He's a bad man. He just brings bad news all the time. Be careful of the greasy grace message. Be careful saying, oh, God loves California, everything's fine. Be careful. A lot of those people that are preaching this message, they're preaching it because they themselves are living in sin, and the only, way they, 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 the only thing they have left to trust in is God's grace to keep on forgiving them, but they're not changing. Anyway, I'm trying my best tonight, Lord. Hallelujah. So you have to understand, the biggest warfare you're going to experience, okay, is when you try to bring forth the true nature of God, is these Hananiah-type prophets who only want the goodness of God. They don't want things shaken. They don't want to be exposed, okay? And it's usually because they're living in sin. That's why. Let's keep on reading here. It's so powerful. Verse 10 of chapter 29. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years have been completed for Babylon, I will visit you and fulfill my good word to you to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for shalom or welfare, not for calamity to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. Now what is the context? Don't take it out of its context yet, okay? We can apply it to us secondarily. But the primary context is, brothers and sisters, that the Israel is going to Babylon, excuse me, Judah going to Babylon for 70 years. And in this place of captivity, okay, they're going to, somebody's going to seek God with all their heart, hallelujah, at the end of 70 years, and they'll be restored back to their land. Hallelujah! So that's, go, come on, go to Zechariah, go back to Zechariah now. That's why these um, patrolling spirits in chapter 1 are patrolling the earth right now. They're patrolling the earth because there is a prophetic fulfillment that should be fulfilled, and God is looking for somebody to dig the well, somebody to activate themselves, hallelujah, somebody to pray. There, just as there was words spoken over the Jewish people that at the end of 70 years they'll return to Israel, okay? We see here that the patrolling spirits were patrolling the earth and they were looking for somebody. They were saying, how long, O Lord, until you have mercy on Jerusalem? Now, we know from the Bible, I don't need to turn to it right now unless you want to see it, in the book of Daniel, that Daniel had a great job, okay? He was moving in a great office of the Lord, but he observed, we better turn to it, come on, hallelujah. This is for you, I already know these things. This is for you, dear ones. Please eat. We don't want no leftovers in the fridge tonight. Daniel, I believe it's chapter 10. No, chapter, yes, 10. Uh, excuse me, 9. Daniel 9, 1. In the, in the first year of Darius, okay, now verse 2, 
<clears throat> in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, Daniel 9, 2, observed in the books the numbers of the years which were revealed as the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet for the completion of the desolation of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. Now, God did not come to Daniel and say, hey, buddy, you better start praying for 70 years up. We need to get out of here. Daniel was reading the word. Da come on, folks. Hallelujah. Daniel just opened the scrolls and was reading and logically connected the dots as, wait a minute, 70 years are up. What are we still doing here? How many times have you read the Bible and you said, wow, why hasn't this happened in my life yet? Well, verse 3, so I gave my attention to the Lord God to seek him by prayer, supplications, fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. How about that? Hallelujah. Many believers are just this far away from their breakthrough. They see it in the Word. They claim it. They know it. They have the witness. But you haven't really pushed, pushed it through. Hallelujah. In a desperation, wild, Holy Ghost bungee jump with no cord around your ankles. Why? Because you're all worn out by work. You're all worn out and tired, okay, from the cares of life. You're all worn out because you've got too much going on in your life. Come on. And you expect God just to do things just because you're tired and you deserve it? No, you've got to dig this well. You've got to knock. You've got to seek. God is rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Hallelujah. And that doesn't mean just coming to church. That means diligently seeking Him. And you've got to read the Word and say, wait a minute, there's prophecy here that, prophecies that have not been fulfilled, Gillette. You've got to open up your, 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 your computer, old files, open up your old diaries, things you've written in your Bible of prophecies that God gave you in dreams, hallelujah, that have not happened yet, and you need to start going to heaven, hallelujah, and start telling Him, Father, why hasn't this happened yet? Glory to God. And seek attention. Put on sackcloth and ashes. I don't care. Hallelujah. Do something that's beyond the norm. Start pressing in. And Daniel did that. Thank God. We don't see anybody else here of all the millions of people that are in Babylon, okay, that knew Jeremiah's word saying, man, why don't we listen to Jeremiah? Can you imagine walking to Babylon, you know, in fetters and chains and saying, man, we, we persecuted the very prophet that came after us. Why don't we listen to him? Well, come on. We only see one man. That's all God takes for one person in California. Hallelujah. That reads the word and says, wait a minute. Why hasn't this happened yet? And he sought the Lord. And look what happened here. The most incredible visitation, chapter 10 and verse 10. Chapter 10 and verse 10. See, say this out loud. You get more than what you asked for. Ha ha. Then behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said, Oh, Daniel, man of high esteem, understand the words I'm about to tell you. Stand upright. For I've come to speak to you. And he has spoken this word to me. I stood up trembling. And he said to me, Do not be afraid, Daniel. You'll know when you have a true visitation from heaven, hallelujah, that your knees will knock. Hallelujah. The first day you set your heart on understanding this and humbling yourself before your God, your words were heard. I have come in response to your words. 21 days he dug in. He went after it. Hallelujah. And the answer was sent the first day. But it says right here, verse 13, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia, which is modern day Iran. We still got problems there with the prince of Persia right now, don't we? Uh-huh. They're behind it all, folks. They got Saudi Arabia. 
They got, I'm telling you, they got the whole wannabe uh, sect of Islam scared stiffless right now. You know, we got this guy named Mohammed who was the UN inspector for the nuclear weapons. Come on, the nuclear, you know, UN committee. I would never have a Muslim in charge of inspecting Iran. You, you know what we say the United Nations is? In Hebrew, um klum, united nothing. They are without a doubt are a vehicle of the Antichrist. And our administration wants to turn, wants the UN to, to patrol our borders. Anyway, I, I said before, somebody's got to prepare the way for the Antichrist. Hallelujah. Let's get this thing going. Hallelujah. I'm tired of warm-up. I'm tired of pre-game preview. Hallelujah. I'm tired of hearing the coach yelling at me in the locker room. Let's get this thing going. <laughs> Hallelujah. Wars and rumors of wars. Let's do it. Earthquakes in various places. Famines. This is just the beginnings of the birth pangs. Hallelujah. They'll deliver you up for tribulation. You'll be hated by all in the account of my name. But when you see these things, lift up your head. Your liberation draws near. Hallelujah. Come on, Lord. Let's do it. Notice here it says the prince of Persia and Michael, who is the chief warrior angel, had to come to get the answer through. Don't give up. Who knows what war is happening in the heavenlies over your prayer life right now? Come on, hallelujah. Who knows? Only God does. What war? And what our job to do is don't give up in prayer. Jesus says when he returns back to the earth, will he find the faith on the earth? There's a definite article there, the faith. Not faith, the faith. And he says there in Luke 18 that the, the faith he's looking for is like the widow woman who wanted justice from the unjust judge, okay? And she kept on asking, keep on, kept on, kept on, kept on bugging, kept on bugging, kept on bugging, okay? And finally the unjust judge says, oh, I'll do what she wants because she's wearing me out. Don't let the devil wear you down. You wear the devil down. I'm going to tell you, if you don't start getting this excess weight off your, your frame, okay, you're going to be worn out all the time. And don't get mad at me, okay? You're the one who did all the eating, not me. Thank you for your enthusiasm tonight. Don't tell me I'm tired. Don't tell me why well, I don't have any energy. Come on. Get those endorphins going in your body. Hallelujah. Those God-created morphine-like substance. Hallelujah. They create a state of ex ecstasy in your life. Hallelujah. Get your body working properly. Amen. God's already been telling you to work out. Hallelujah. Just do something about it. Start working out, melting off that excess poundage. You'll find new vigor, new strength. Hallelujah. Get to bed early. Hallelujah. Wake up early. Quit watching a bunch of garbage on the internet and TV at night. There's nothing worth watching. Hallelujah. Get up early. Glory to God. Get up before the kids get up, before you have to go to work, before the caffeine. Come on. Get up and spend time with Him. Press in. And then you'll have Holy Ghost energy to go and go running or swimming or biking or something. Hallelujah. Don't do underwater basket weaving, okay? There's nothing good about it. Press yourself in and you'll start noticing change hallelujah as you make your body your slave glory to god and you'll feel this energy and this fire mm -hmm. and then you just you just switch that endurance mode to your prayer life now 
You don't give up. Hallelujah. You don't give in. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Maybe you just may want to run a three, four day straight prayer meeting. Hallelujah. Come on, folks. Hallelujah. And you're not praying and bawling and squalling, you know, oh, God, help me. You got the word. Hallelujah. And you say, Lord, you said 70 years is up. What's going on? Come on. And that's what Daniel did. Hallelujah. And now we got unseen beings patrolling the earth tonight looking for God's people that will stir themselves up concerning the second liberation of Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem coming from heaven. Hallelujah. And so I'm not sure what to pray. Quit going to the Elijah list. What a mess. Come on, pray this word. Hallelujah. Zechariah. We were talking about earthquakes today in the car. We were saying, you know, we just, God just shake it up, man. Okay, now we see here, oh, I love this book, that it says God is exceedingly jealous for Jerusalem. Verse 17 is, you guys have sown into it. I live there as an extension of your prayers and love and giving. We're seeing verse 17. Again proclaimed, saying, Thus says the Lord of the armies of heaven, my cities will again overflow with prosperity, and the Lord will again comfort Zion and choose Jerusalem. Hallelujah. When you come to Israel, you'll be amazed what's happening. Hallelujah. In just 60 years of what's going on there. Now it goes on and says here, in chapter 4, it says, Then the angel who was speaking with me returned and roused me as the one who was awakened from his sleep. And it says here, talking about these people, in verse 6 it says, he answered and said to me, this is the word of the Lord is Zerubbabel, saying, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of the armies of heaven. And it goes on and says here in verse 10, for who has despised, despised the day of small things? But these seven will be glad when they see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. These are the eyes of the Lord which range to and fro throughout the whole earth. Same word as chapter 1. So now we have these super, we have angels, we have Michael, we have Gabriel, okay, fighting all this stuff going on above our heads. Oh, hallelujah, this is incredible. Then we have these unknown beings on horses that patrol the earth, that go to and fro. And now we have, in verse 10, we have the eyes of the Lord that go to and fro. <laughs> hallelujah. And then it says here, verse 11, Then I answered and said, What are these two olive trees on the right of the lampstand on the left? And I answered the second time, he said, What are the two olive branches that by side, beside the golden pipes? Okay, for the second time, verse 14, he said, These are the two anointed ones standing before the Lord of the whole earth. And the word anointed ones in Hebrew is sons of fresh oil. So we have all of these dynamic spiritual activity going on. Hallelujah to initiate or initiate the return of the Jewish people back to their land. However, there's more. Go to chapter 9. I love it too. Hallelujah. 9-1-1. Next week is 9-1-1. Zechariah 9-1-1. Are you ready? You say, okay, well that happened already. Daniel prayed. Jewish people restored back to their land. It's even happening now. 
So what's happening now, what's present tense, what's current, contemporary in the prophetic literature of the Old Testament? Well, 911 will show us. As for you also, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I have set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. Return to the stronghold, old prisoners. You who have the hope, this very day I'm declaring I'll restore double to you. Why is God telling us to return to the stronghold to give us a double portion? It's because of what's coming up. Verse 13, I will bend Judah as my bow. I will fill the bow with Ephraim. I'll stir up your sons, O Zion, against your sons, O Greece, and I'll make you like a warrior's sword. Derek Prince is in heaven now, but he is, I, I, I love Derek's teachings on Israel, Blessing or Curse, Foundation Series, good, good, excellent, excellent staple diet to build a foundation in your life. He has a teaching on the sons of Greece versus the sons of Zion. And he says the sons of Greece is secular humanism. Because secular humanism was birthed in ancient Greece, okay? And the essence of humanism is man is the essence of all things. Not God, man is the essence of all things. And we see this secular humanism has totally poisoned our architecture, our court system, the abortion industry, okay? And where did secular humanism it came out of ancient Greece, okay? Now, what is the number of man? If man is the essence of all things, what's the number of man? Revelation says it's 666. So we know that the Antichrist system is not necessarily a religious system. It is a secular humanistic system. Frankie Schaefer, Francis Schaefer, excuse me, has some great teachings on this. You can read and understand what's happened in our culture, brothers and sisters. What drives all the things that's happening with the liberal Democrats, okay, the, uh, the socialists, okay, those that want to... Uh, inoculate people and put hidden things inside the inoculations to our kids, genetic engineering, okay, kill off the old people if they don't, you know, productive. It's all based on secular humanism, which is the sons of Greece. Now, what's interesting about all this is Derek Prince, and it, he just, it's tremendous stuff. He says, if you look at our culture, we have to understand what was the demarcation line that changed Europe. And it's called the Renaissance. In Northern Europe, with Martin Luther and others, was called the Reformation. In Northern Europe, we have what is a revival. And it was based on the glory text. I started with the first night, the just shall live by faith. Luther, as a priest, a Catholic priest, said, you know, he's tired of all this nonsense went to the church at Wittenberg, nailed on the door, hallelujah, the 10th thesis, basically, the just shall live by faith. And when did he find out that revelation? When he started studying Hebrew again. You see, brothers and sisters, uh, there's a reason why God wrote the Bible in Hebrew, hallelujah. And then later it was communicated in Greek, okay, and Aramaic for the common people. And when Luther started studying, first of all, he got stirred up, he got prophetic against the indulgences going on. And then he started studying Hebrew again. He got the revelation that just shall live by faith. Hallelujah. And it turned Europe on a dime right there. Hallelujah. A revival broke out. An awakening. Come on, folks. Are you with me? And that happened in northern Europe. But in southern Europe, the exact opposite happened. It's called the Renaissance. You ever heard of the Renaissance? 
It means the rebirth. And it was a rebirth of the Greco-Roman culture. Come on, the arts, the sciences, etc. All suddenly were in this whole, you know, people look, put their ministry. They look at the Sistine Chapel on the ceiling. You know, Michelangelo painted that with uh, Adam reaching out, you know, to touch God's finger. Remember that? Don't use it in your ministry brochure, please. It's all about secular humanism, that man has the ability to touch God. It's not about God touching us. We have the ability to touch God. Secular humanism is actually the religion of North America and Western Europe right now. When Obama says we're no longer a Christian nation, he's, he's correct. We're a paganistic, hedonistic, secular humanistic culture. It's the truth. So, this rebirth has a curse with it. If you look at Northern Europe, it's where the industrial might and all the inventions and the literature and the art and a Protestant work ethic was delivered. But in Southern Europe was the artsy Catholic flow. You look at the wealth of Holland, Northern France, Germany, Sweden, come on, that were more Lutheran-based under the Reformation versus Italy, Spain, southern France, come on, Greece. Those places are poor compared to northern Europe. Come on, folks, come on, come on, come on, come on. And so what we see today in our culture, uh, the Supreme Court building, the architecture, it's all come from the Greco-Roman. It's all secular humanistic. And that is our enemy today. And it says God is going to raise up the sons of Sion to verse the sons of Greece in this hour. The sons of the Holy Ghost, hallelujah, promise, verse the sons of secular humanism. That's the battle we're in right now. Come on, that's not the battle. That's the battle. How many people have kids in public school? That is the battle we're in right now. You talk to the educators. You talk to the principals, you talk to the teachers, okay, for the most part. They have been trained in secular humanism. Why do you think they took the Bible out of school? As soon as they took the Bible out of the high schools and public schools, guess what happened? Our culture went. So, in the midst of this battle of the secular humanism versus the church, hallelujah, look at verse 14. Then the Lord will appear over them. I like that. Hallelujah. In the midst of this battle, the Lord will appear over them, and his lightning, his arrow will go forth like lightning, and the Lord God will blow the shofar. Hallelujah. And march in the storm winds of the south. And that's what I feel in my spirit we preach about to you tonight. Hallelujah. With great patience. Hallelujah. And fervor and zeal last night and love to you all. God is arising and he wants to scatter his enemies. And we see the enemy he wants to go after is the sons of Greece. Come on, folks. The sons of Greece is, is, can be abbreviated 666. It's the number of man. It's the essence of man. And God himself is going to appear over this situation and he's going to blow the war so far. Hallelujah. <laughs> and he's going to march in the tornadoes and the storm winds of the south. And I feel it in my bones. Hallelujah. Glory to God is right. Hallelujah. Rukuta mm Hmm. 
Hallelujah. Go with me to the book of Luke concerning lightning. Now, I'm just getting every prepped up as soon as the Spirit of God tells me tonight, tomorrow night, some other night, whenever, who knows, that we go do shofar drive-bys. Hallelujah. We go and have some fun. Glory to God. We ferret out a bunch of ground squirrels that are undermining oak trees. Hallelujah. <laughs> we expose with the light. So we see in Luke chapter 10, excuse me, something very, 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 very powerful. In Luke chapter 10, verse 1, he sends out the 70. They're not even born again. They're not even baptized in the Holy Spirit yet. Come on. Jesus hasn't risen from the dead. They're still operating under the Old Testament anointing. And he sends them out, and they go out and have signs and wonders, right? They go into different cities. They preach the gospel. They preach the kingdom of God. They heal the sick, verse 9. Awesome, awesome stuff, right? So they come back, and in verse 17, the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Now, this is amazing because this has never happened before in Old Testament history. You say, well, Luke is New Testament. No, it's not. It's still Old Testament. Well, my Bible has this white piece of paper between Malachi and Matthew, and it says New Testament. Rip it out. Well, God will hate me if I do that. No, don't listen. Don't listen to that super religious spirit. Rip it out and put it at John 20. Re-glue it back in the binder of your Bible at John 20. Why? Because at the Passover, he said this, or maybe it's John 19, I don't know. Maybe it's John 17, I have to look back. Anyway, somewhere there in John, I can look it up for me if you really want to know. He says, this is the blood of the new covenant at the Passover Seder. Hallelujah. That's when the new covenant began. And it was culminated when he said, it is finished at the cross. Hallelujah. And we all talk about Pentecost and the Holy Ghost. What about when Jesus came back into the room, walked through the door, hallelujah, and breathed on him and said, receive the Holy Ghost. Ha, 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 ha. That is the beginning of the New Testament right there. So we're still reading Old Testament here. Is that, you're not mad at me? Okay, I don't... Is that good Bible scholarship right now? Okay. Okay. Now it says here in Luke chapter 10, verse 17, the 70 returned to joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. You have to understand how powerful this is because during this time from the preaching of John the Baptist until the book of Malachi, there was what is called the intertestamental literature, pseudographical, apocrypha, okay? It was a mystical time when there was no prophetic word. It was super dry. Why did things become super dry? Because the priesthood were divorcing their wives. Sounds like today, doesn't it? Malachi starts talking about the sins in the family. You can read it, okay? Malachi or Malachi, the first Italian prophet. <laughs> and he starts saying, listen, the sins of the priests. Why are you putting away your wives? Why are you holding back the tithe? That's for somebody here I hear that. I feel that right now in my spirit. Hallelujah. You know, you want to give to us, but you make sure your tithes go to the local church where you get fed, or you're cursing you and your family. Come on, folks. 
You need to tell some of those teachers, you know, that tell you, oh, how dare you paddle your kids at home? We're going to arrest you. You know what? You should be arrested, ma'am, you tree hugger. Because if you don't tithe and worship God, you're bringing a curse on your kids. You're guilty of spiritual child abuse, which is far more have ramifications than a little bruise on the gluteus maximus padding that God invented. Hallelujah. For the rod of discipline. Hallelujah. Amen. Gluteus maximus, okay? Come on, hallelujah. You have lats, okay? You have pecs, you have gluteus maximus, okay? That's Latin. <clears throat> Are those people's maximus is really maximus? But anyway, that should change shortly, hallelujah, as you're working out and shedding those pounds, hallelujah. And get back in that prom dress you had when you were 18. Amen. Come on, folks. It is possible. If I can shed the weight, how much can you? Hallelujah. I still deal with my flesh about eating dozens of donuts at a time. Hallelujah. I'm getting over that. Hallelujah. I'm kidding. I don't like donuts anymore. <laughs> but I do like that salad we had over there. Hallelujah. That stuff's pretty good. Anyway, we are in an age, brothers and sisters, that if we just look at the example of the Old Testament, we'll see everything, what's going on there. There's nothing new under the sun. And in the Old Testament, the people before John the Baptist appeared, up until Malachi, the priests were giving away their wives, divorcing them on a drop of a hat, okay? And they suddenly went into a time of a curse. A mystical movement happened. You should read the Apocrypha for about five minutes and throw it out of your house. It's all these weird people like they ate too many peyote mushroom buttons, you know, or cactus buttons in the desert. had all these weird visitations and angels, all these weird angels appearing, you know. And they have all this weird demonology. You know, listen, very careful. Demonology does not come to the forefront among God's people until the time of after Malachi, between Malachi and John the Baptist, the 400 years of dryness, no prophetic word, when there's no prophetic word, God's people that are in rebellion automatically go into the mystical dark realm. Sounds like today, doesn't it? All these priests, all these Levites can't keep their Levites on. Have you noticed that? Okay, you had problems in your marriage, okay? But who gives you the right to divorce your wife and kids, and then right away to marry somebody else. That is nothing more than lust. And those people need to be sat down. They're disqualified for ministry. Thank you for your enthusiasm. I'm going to preach it. And God gave me a big horn to blow about it too. Hallelujah. Maybe God will reconcile the two of you. Why do you have to go and mess things up again? Well, brother Scott, the words are hard. God is love. He's love, all right. But we got a problem. It doesn't take too much sense to see that we got a problem in the church right now. The charismatic church, come on, the so-called spirit-filled church moving into mystical, all types of weirdness. And it looks just like, to me, the time between Malachi and, and the Gospels, okay? 
when all types of weird events were going on, weird movements, weird people. And the only thing that can flush that weirdness out of God's camp is the preaching of repentance like John the Baptist. Let me back up. Most demonology we know today was invented or conceived during the intertestamental period. Because the Old Testament had, does not have much to say about demons. So why did it come to the forefront so quick? Even Jesus doesn't talk about demons a whole lot. He just casts them out. Hallelujah. So why is all this demonology going on? It came out of the intertestinal period because people gravitated toward that realm because they didn't have God's blessings on the land anymore because divorce was rampant among the priesthood. Sounds like North America to me today. I ain't holding back. And I, if you want to pay my airline ticket, I'll go to some of these churches and tell the pastor himself, the so-called non-profit or non-profit ministry themselves. Hallelujah. Send me these places. Hallelujah. Because they won't answer my calls or emails. Hallelujah. <laughs> A bunch of chickens. Because those who are in the darkness don't come to the light. Hallelujah. You say, what are you doing, Ma Micah 3.8? I'm filled with the Spirit of God, with justice and power to make known to Israel her sins. Hallelujah. I didn't ask God for this ministry, folks. He came to me in the night hour many years ago and says, if you do not preach the gospel, I am going to kill you. You say, where is that in the Bible? Where is that in the Bible, Brother Scott? I'm sorry, didn't you get past Exodus? Jewish kids five years age already know the book of Exodus by heart. Moses did not circumcise his sons according to the law of the commandment, okay? And he was going to deliver God's people, and God came to kill Moses that night because he was in rebellion. And if it wasn't for a godly woman, his wife, the Midianite, and she got a flint rock and circumcised those sons and threw the foreskins at her husband and said, you're a bloody husband to me. And God did not kill Moses because his wife interceded and did what she needed to do. So don't tell me religiously, well, you know, Scott said that, you know. Because you don't know my God if you said that. It's a terrifying thing to fall in the hands of the living God. Hallelujah. You think I'm here for money? You think I'm here because I want to be? I'm here under the divine mandate from God. Hallelujah. And woe is me if I don't do what he tells me to do and preach what he preaches, tells me to preach. Hallelujah. Oh. I've been to hell. I remember when I was 14 years of age, okay? I remember when I was a young kid doing drugs. I didn't do a lot of drugs. I mainly sold them. I was doing the Jewish thing. I was the middleman, okay? I'm serious. I didn't like the drugs very much. I sold them. 14 years of age, yeah. You better, you better find out what your kids are doing on the internet. At eight years of age. Well, World War III will break out of my house if I take my computer keyboard away from my children. Good. Let World War III and 4, 5, and 6 break out, but do something to rescue your family. Anyway, moving right along. I remember I came back, and one of my competitors, another 15-year-old. <laughs> serious. Spiked something, and I overdosed. And I remember I fell into my living, my, my bedroom, 
And uh, as a 14-year-old, and I fell off the bed, and I began to convulse. And the last thing I remember is I left my body. I didn't go up. I went through the floorboard of my parents' house. And I went down to a very, very dark, deep tunnel. The darkness was so dark you could just you could cut it with a knife. And it was pure terror. And I knew, you didn't have to tell me, I knew I was going to hell. And suddenly I, I started screaming, God, help me. I didn't know Jesus then. And suddenly I heard a voice, let him go. I came back in my body. I was instantly sober, hallelujah. All the stuff evaporated. I don't know what happened to me. And I never again dealt drugs. I never again was a bad boy. Come on. I'm serious. Because God scared the vanilla snot out of me. Hallelujah. My wife says, don't say snot, you know. Hey, vanilla, vanilla pudding, whatever you want. God scared me so bad that I never again was a bad boy. Hallelujah. Even my parents saw it. What happened to you? I don't know. I got saved, you know, a few years later after that. Why didn't I get saved then? Because nobody came to preach the gospel to me. Come on, folks. You think angels are just going to preach the gospel? It's you. You and I got to tell the people. How do they know without a preacher? Nobody came and told me. I went to a high school. Kenneth Hagin's granddaughters, okay, was, were in my English class. The guy that had a locker next to me, okay, he knew I was Jewish. Okay, he'd open up his locker when I walked by and had all these Christian bumper stickers on the side of the locker. And he'd open up like I read it for me to read it. You're like, well, whatever. You're a Jesus freak. Big deal. But none of these people ever witnessed to me. And I got mad because when I got saved and later went to Raymond Bible Training Center for a year, I wonder what you, you were a believer the whole time? Man, you're the biggest camouflage I could ever find in my life. Amazing, a chameleon. Why didn't you tell me about Jesus? Thank God I had an English teacher. Hallelujah. Who The year the, the Bible was to be outlawed in Oklahoma school system from the the public school system, hallelujah, that she had us read instead of Greek Hellenistic literature, hallelujah, mythology and all the other nonsense. For literature, we read the Bible. And I, they gave me a living Bible, hallelujah. <laughs> and I started reading. And I said, wow, this is a Jewish book. And I'd bring my Bible with me wherever I went. I wasn't even saved yet. It took somebody to come to me and tell me the good news, the Roman road. Those people that you work with, it's time to tell them. Those people you associate with, come on, it's time to tell them. Those strangers that you meet, your neighbors, why not tell them now? Well, I may get persecuted. Good. I may lose my job. Praise God. God will give you a better one. They may call me a holy roller. Good. Hallelujah. But their blood is on their head now, not on your head anymore. Whoa, ho! How's that guy doing, Mike? Did you see him out there? He left? We gotta go back and get him. No, we got him. Switch him back in. Okay. Most demonology came about during the time right before John the Baptist. So when John the Baptist appeared, he began to preach a message of repentance, and that flushed the people, prepared them, hallelujah, 
for not a weird kingdom of God to visit, but the kingdom in the Son, Jesus. What happened next was this. Verse 17, the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine being in a, an occultic environment for 400 years, no prophetic word from God, hallelujah, and this man from Galilee comes, and even the demons are subject to him, and they scream out, hallelujah, the gathering demoniac in his right name. Think about all this stuff. And they go out on a mission, hallelujah, under his name, under an old covenant anointing, which is not even a new covenant anointing, which you and I have, hallelujah. God's among them, but not in them, hallelujah. And they're casting out devils, hallelujah. That to me is more exciting than anything else on planet earth. Don't you want to inflict damage on the kingdom of darkness that held you bondage all these years, hallelujah, and inflicted, mm, hallelujah. Come on, I remember one of, my, one of my relatives had tried to commit suicide. They had some problems and, you know, whatever, we'll get into it all. And so I had to go to their house and clean up all the blood in the bathroom. They tried to cut their wrists, okay? And I got there, and the blood had been there for a long time. It just had that smell, you know? And I got in there, and I started cleaning up the blood off the floor and the cabinet and everything. They survived, by the way, praise God. And they're saved today, praise God. Hallelujah. And I was cleaning up all the blood. I just started getting mad. And I threw down this dirty, bloody, smelly, cloth I was using to clean off the, the sink and I said just for that devil I'm going to win as many souls as possible hallelujah just for that and I've not stopped hallelujah <laughs> there's something about when you know the power of Jesus hallelujah and the authority that you just want to cast out devils everywhere hallelujah and that's why he says be careful because it's joyful to cast out devils you know what I'm saying be careful rejoice more your names recorded in heaven not the deems are subject to you. Hallelujah. But anyway, he says here, verse 18, he said to them, I was watching Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Behold, I give you authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over some of the power of the enemy. Good, all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall injure you. So why aren't you buying airplane tickets to Pakistan, Afghanistan? Hallelujah. Istanbul. Going to L.A., inner city. Come on. Hallelujah. He said it right here. Nothing shall injure you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you. Rejoice that your names are recorded in heaven. At that very time, he rejoiced greatly in the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine Jesus rejoicing greatly in the Holy Ghost? Hallelujah. And he said, I praise thee, Abba, Lord of heaven and earth. That is, hide these things from the wise and intelligent and just reveal them to the babes. Yes, Father, it is well pleasing. I say, why the wise and intelligent? Because the wise and intelligent is the byproduct of a Hellenistic age of the secular Roman mindset. Paul says, my preaching and teaching were not enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit. That your faith will not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. You understand? Jesus is fulfilling the beginning episode of this climactic, epic battle against the sons of Greece versus sons of Zion. Hallelujah. Zion, Zion, sons of God versus humanism. Humanism elevates the mind. Learning. Ph.D., piled higher and deeper. 
the intellect of man, the wisdom of the sage. Come on, folks. Now, let's back up a little bit. Jesus is real excited that the babes are getting this and not the wise and intelligent. He says here, Behold, I have given you authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy. Verse 18, as we begin to conclude tonight, I was watching Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Now, I wrote this down because it's so powerful. The imperfect points to what was constantly repeated. Every expulsion of demons meant a fall of Satan. So the imperfect tense of this word, I always thought like eons ago there was an epic battle. You know, I need to quit listening to preachers and listen, read the word more. But anyway, <laughs> amen? Don't take my, listen, you need to read the word for yourself. And you have problems, come to me later and we can talk about it. Hallelujah. Berean mindset. That eons ago there was this epic battle and Satan, the dragon, swept a third of the angels down to the earth, you know. Isaiah 14, you know, he was, I'll be like the Most High. I'll set up my throne, and God threw him to the earth. Remember that? And that he fell like lightning to the earth, and it happened eons ago. That's not what Jesus said. He says here, come on, guys, you need to stay with it. This is, this is the key to this whole night. It says here, I was watching Satan fall from heaven. When you guys are out healing the sick, come on. And you didn't take two tunics but one. Whatever house you enter to, you spook shalom. Come on. Read, read the whole thing before, the 70 going out. When you were doing that healing the sick, proclaiming the kingdom of God, I was watching, present tense, Satan's kingdom collapse. Every expulsion of demons means a fall of Satan. If you want to see Satan's kingdom come down in this hour, let's get out there and do what they were doing. Healing the sick, visiting the sick, come on. Going to houses, speaking peace over, come on. Oh, come on. Freely you receive, freely give. Come on, are you with me? It's not just having, you know, some demon manifest and barfing out green pea soup on the beautiful new carpet. I'm saying? It's going and doing the works of the pre-Great Commission, Luke 10, hallelujah, and you'll come back with such joy you won't want to see movies again. I'm serious. You'll come back, man, you'll be wall-to-wall -wall joy. Hallelujah. Man, hallelujah. And it's in that place Jesus is saying, still present tense, while you're out healing the sick, I'm watching Satan fall like lightning. You say, I thought Satan already fell. No. He's the prince of the power of the air. He fell to the earth, but he's still in the second heaven. There's three heavens, okay? There's a, God's heaven, which is the third heaven. Second heaven, the atmospheric, you know, planets and all that stuff. And there's the first heaven, which was right over here. And between the first and second heaven, somewhere in there, is Satan's kingdom. Spiritual wickedness in heavenly places, right? And it says in, and let's conclude with Revelation 10 tonight. Hallelujah. Or maybe it's Revelation 12. And we could read the whole book of Revelation and really get it. I like those times. Hallelujah. Just sit down and read the whole thing. Hallelujah. Just mainline it. Hallelujah. <laughs> okay, here we go. You say, why are you preaching about this stuff? So we can go do it this week? 
Oh, we're just going to sit around here and just lay hands on people until their hair recedes, you know? We can just keep falling out in the spirit and doing the Hoover maneuver. <laughs> Revelation 12, verse 7. Here's Michael again. Uh-oh. Sounds like the Prince of Persia stirring up again. Here's Michael. We got Michael coming in. We got patrolling spirits. Hallelujah. We got Holy Ghost people and Paso Robles saying, God, how much longer? The 70-year prophecy, so to speak, is up. How much longer? Hallelujah. And you got Michael coming in. I like it. He's the warrior angel. Hallelujah. And there was war in heaven. Verse 7. Michael and his angels waging war with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels waged war. How about that for excitement? <clears throat> and they were not strong enough. There was no longer a place found for them in heaven. That's the second heaven. And the great dragon, <clears throat> if you have any, this is for somebody here, or maybe you have a, a cousin, a child, a relative, a friend that has embroidered dragons in their house from China or the Far East, take it out and burn it. I remember Derek Prince did a great testimony about prosperity. He said that uh, his father, uh, his grandfather was a uh, colonel in the Boxer Rebellion in China, the British troops that lived in China. They fought, and he brought back an heirloom for the family uh, from a service in China, which is big, beautiful, embroidered um, thing they put on the wall. and had a, a dragon in it, which is the symbol of China. Go figure, okay? And in this dragon, he had it on his wall, but it was passed on to him. And he says ever since he put it in his house, he had financial problems. And one day he was praying, why, Lord, why is this happening? Why is this happening? And he went, and the Lord said, look at that thing. What is the dragon the sign of? Satan. But Lord, it's a family heirloom. Get rid of it. And as soon as he threw it away and burned it, prosperity started coming in his house. Pretty cool, huh? So all that Far Eastern stuff, okay, including karate. Uh, thank you, hallelujah. <laughs> Martial arts, all that stuff, okay, is straight from the pit of hell, folks. Thank you for your enthusiasm tonight. Hallelujah. You'd be surprised what happens, how much you get freed up. You start removing these hindrances in your house. Unseen shadowy curses you seem to be wrestling against, can't get victory over. Go through your thing. Well, he said, I've already cleaned my house. Well, let me go check your DVD cabinet. Hallelujah. Do one more final cleaning. Hallelujah. You say, well, uh, okay, well, uh, Brother Scott, what should I watch on TV? What kind of movie should I watch? Well, if you can't show it Sunday morning during church tomorrow morning, Hello, you have no business watching it Saturday night in the privacy of your house. Thank you very much. Hallelujah. Those who are wise and good and isn't as well as evil, the God of peace shall crush Satan under your feet. And you'll have more fun casting out devils and driving out devils and being caught up into the glory realm. Hallelujah. And doing things for God than watching some stupid Hollywood movie. God's coming back for the hot. He's not coming back for lukewarm, pukewarm. You say, well, I have problems in my house with my husband or my wife, you know. They're not serving the Lord. Well, you sanctify them by your faith. Don't let your faith drop down to keep them pleased. Hallelujah. I see a lot of sisters here. I don't see a lot of their husbands. Okay, well, let's just battle this week for your husbands. Hallelujah. Amen. And I guarantee you how you get the men excited, because men are called to conquer and subdue. Hallelujah. 
If they get involved in spiritual warfare, hallelujah, they'll come. Hallelujah. We just got to get them cleaned up first. Anyway, that's another story, another topic, another time, another day. It says here in verse 9, And a great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old. He's a serpent. How many people like snakes? If you like snakes, I'll pray for you. Serpent, the wisest, the craftiest of all the creatures in the garden. Think about it. The serpent of old. The devil. You know what the word devil is in, in Greek? It's dibalo. It means to throw something. Not ikbalo, it means to throw something out. Dibalo, D is to make inroads into something. Balo is the throw. He is the master of making inroads into people's minds by throwing suggestions, throwing ideas, coming to you in a moment of weakness, okay? He doesn't attack you frontal. He comes in the backside, okay? Come on. He has no conscience, okay? And he comes and he throws suggestions to break down your resistance. That is his name. Don't give him an inch. Who deceives the whole world, he was thrown down to the earth, and then his angels were thrown down with him. Wait a minute here. This doesn't happen until Revelation 12, Satan being cast down. So what happened before then? That means he's above us. Come on, folks, you with me? Come on. You want to see the principality and power over this region come down? It's real simple. I love this testimony from Lester Sumrall. You should get his, his uh, tape series called Demons and Deliverance. It's like 24 tapes. Awesome. Hallelujah. It's one of the best tape series I've ever heard. It's called Demons and Deliverance. You can get it through Lassay, Lester Sumrall Evangelistic Association. It's about 24 tapes, maybe 12. It's him teaching over all the years of his expert uh, experiences and about demons. You know, he, remember that guy that killed about 24 kids? And buried him in his basement, construction worker. He was a sodomite and a murderer, sewer killer in Chicago. And they finally, I don't know, he's probably died in prison by now. And But in that case, the, 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 the uh, federal judge called in Lester Sumrall to testify about demons and deliverance. Because the guy was doing things that the psychologist could not understand. You know, Lester, I like, he's a war horse, man. He sat in the, in the in stand and he says, can I say something? Kill him. <laughs> After he testified. Why? Because when somebody is so possessed, turn them over to destruction of the flesh. That's it. You ever wonder why God said to them destroy all the Amalekites? Because they were so demonized. That's God's prerogative, not ours. This tape series about demons and deliverance is so powerful. He was in Manila, Philippines. I've been there. I was just there. We had 10,000 people at an auditorium, the largest convention center in Manila. It was incredible. The glory of God. It was awesome. Weekend meetings there. Uh, Lester Sumrall was praying for revival, like most pastors are praying. And uh, somebody gave him a newspaper while he was in Manila that there was this woman in prison that was having these invisible bite marks appear in her arm. And that she was, you know, causing the whole uproar in the prison. And actually a doctor had come into the prison and she cursed the doctor and he dropped dead on the spot. So this hit all the papers and the news, okay? And they found that when the demons would manifest or this invisible B 
beings that she would scream would start biting her in front of everybody, the doctors and the TV cameras. And that in the struggle of her fighting against these unseen things, she said, um, that she had in her hand, after one of these attacks, some hair. And the hair was not a human or animal on earth. They didn't know what this hair came from. And she said that one of the beings that came was a very hairy demon. And so uh, the whole nation's traumatized by these demons that are manifesting in this girl in prison. And God tells Lester, he's praying and fasting for revival. Oh, God, we have revival here. And the Lord says to him, I want you to go cast the devil out of her in prison. He said, no way, no way. <laughs> Lord, I need to pray for revival. So, and he's praying and fasting. And the story is he finally went, okay, and he cast the demons out of her. And to this day, she's still a believer on fire for God. Hallelujah. Her and her husband have kids, and they go to the, you know, the church there in Manila that uh, 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 Lester Sumrall's uh, nephew runs. But anyway, the story is that when he, they said when they cast the demons out of this girl, that it's like revival hit the Philippines. Suddenly, this dome of darkness lifted. And then Oral Roberts came over, and they began to have healing crusades in the stadiums. And just, it just, that's why there's so many strong Christians in Manila, in the area. And Lester taught us as students, he said, the reason there's demons and the reason there's angels is we don't know the whole epic struggle going on. But I do know this, that a whole nation turned, okay, on a dime when I cast a demon out of this girl. And I believe that the principality and power that was docimiled over Manila, okay, came out and was brought down, and that's why we had an open heaven experience. Hallelujah. So notice as we start to wind this up here, it says the great dragon was thrown down, okay? So we now know between Revelation 12 and this time that Jesus said that, this 2,000 plus years, is that Satan is actually docimiled over us. And that Jesus said, when you guys went out healing the sick, hallelujah, every expulsion of demons, healing the sick, etc., was causing an infrastructure of Satan to come down like lightning. Did you know that Obama, you know what his name means in Arabic? Barack Obama, you know what it means? Would you like to know? Yeah. Arabic and Hebrew are very similar languages. Barak means lightning. And Obama means to come down from on high. There you go, huh? Could he, be, could he be one of the messengers of Satan that has dropped down like lightning? I'm not discounting it. I'm not saying it's definitely speculation, but it makes interesting tea time talk, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Folks, we're, things are getting really wound up. As we worship, come on, as we go out and preach the gospel, hallelujah. It's not just prayer. It's going out and doing the works of the Great Commission. That Satan's infrastructure falls like lightning, hallelujah, until eventually him himself, the dragon, falls to the earth. Come on, hallelujah. And the apocalyptic grand finale begins to quickly take place and end. I love it. Hallelujah. And so what are we supposed to do when this happens? Run and hide? No way. 
Look at verse 10. I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation, or Hebrew, Yeshua. Now the Yeshua and the power and the kingdom of our God, the authority of his Messiah have come. For the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down, thrown down, thrown down. He accuses them before our God day and night. And they overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb, because of the word of their testimony, and did not love their life even to death. Your best life now. Forget about it. your best life now. Hallelujah. I want his life. <laughs> Doesn't it make sense, Brad? We've been talking about this for years. Doesn't it make sense? It makes so much sense. This thing about your best life now, your destiny, all this stuff. And it's opposite here. It says they did not love their life. Hallelujah. It's like Satan has taken some of these pastors and preachers and the, the Christian media outlets and put them up on the temple and said, if you just bow down and serve me, I'll give you all these kingdoms. They said, okay, we'll bow down. It's time for a refill. Okay, are you ready? The anointing is here right now. Did it last time or two times, the first time I was here, we're going to do it again. Hallelujah. I was a student at Raymond Bible Training Center. Only reason I went is because I heard Kenneth Hagin talk about the glory cloud. Hallelujah. And he saw all the same thing and explained like nobody else could see what I saw when I got saved. Hallelujah. So I went there. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And I remember there, I used to bring a big 50-pound Thompson chain reference Bible, hardcover with me. Hallelujah. <laughs> I had all these Bibles up and I'll be hearing three sermons a day. I loved it. Hallelujah. I couldn't understand why Christians next to me would fall asleep. Hallelujah. And then Kenneth Hagin says, we're going to bring in one of my best friends who knows the most about demons and deliverance, but you need to be equipped in these last days how to deal with the devil. His name is Lester Sumrall. I said, I never heard of that name before. And Lester comes in. I don't know. He looks about 80 years old. He was still only 50 back then. But anyway, <laughs> he walked, bless God. Hallelujah. And I just like, man, this guy, he just, the demons are scared looking at him. And he starts talking the whole week about demons and deliverance, okay? And all these stories and all these things he's been doing, you know, and just such an authority in his voice. Hallelujah. A real war horse. Hallelujah. And uh, at the last, the Thursday night, Friday was the last service, he said, I'm going to, God has instructed me to lay hands on all the students here and impart an anointing for deliverance. Hallelujah. And to do signs and wonders. I said, praise God. Hallelujah. Did you hear that? Come on. Hallelujah. Take your day off from work. Come on. Hallelujah. This is going to be great. This old war horse is going to lay hands on us. And then he said this. And most people there, I don't know if they caught it or not, but I caught it. Hallelujah. I pray you catch it tonight because we have did this before, but we're going to get a refilling tonight because the Lord has told me, instructed me to pray for you. And woe is me if I want to go home and go to sleep right now. Hallelujah. And I heard him say, he says, I want to tell you a story. I was a young man living in England right before World War II, and I used to visit Smith Wigglesworth. I turned to the person and said, who's Wigglesworth? I never heard a name Wigglesworth before. He lived in Bradford, England. He was a plumber, had over 23 people, whatever, raised from the dead, whatever the number is. And uh, he used to, I used to go to his house, and he, we used to read the Bible and drink tea together. And he'd bless me, and then I'd leave, okay? And uh, the last time I saw him was the English government had told all the American citizens to leave England because the war was going on with Hitler. America had not entered the war yet. And so he came for the last time to visit. 
And as he walked up, he had a newspaper under his, his arm like this, like a good British gentleman, hallelujah. Finally, a tailored suit walks up with his umbrella and his hat, hello, sir. And he saw the newspaper and grabbed the newspaper out of Lester Summerall's hand, threw it in the bushes, says, lies, 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 it's not in my house. How about those bookmarks we have of news agencies that we watch? Could it be the same lies? The prince of the power of the air? The airwaves, the media, is that one nasty organization or what? Why do we have to believe what they say? You know, even Fox News, the little foxes spoil the vine, come on. <laughs> Until I see Murdoch on his knees worshiping God, praying in tongues, hallelujah, I ain't going to believe everything I hear. Well, I thought Lester Sumrall, he's a great preacher. He sure is, Hallelujah. But he, he was walking up, and he got that old war horse, Smith Wigglesworth, kicked that newspaper out of his hand. He says, lies, 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 propaganda, none of my house. Interesting, isn't it? You know, I think if it's service good to know that Lester, uh, excuse me, uh, yeah, Lester told us that Wigglesworth only read the New Testament. He had a hard time with the Old Testament because he was not much of a reader. That's all he read. Think about it, just reading the Bible all the time. That's why I got different Bible translations on my iPhone. Hallelujah. Come on, folks. Hallelujah. I don't want to listen to a bunch of that static electricity out there. <laughs> anyway, they came in, they sat down, and he began to inform Wigglesworth that, sir, 80-something years old, I have to leave England this week, and this will be the last time probably we see each other. He says, I know. And he says, let's, let's pray. His daughter would bring tea again, just like always. they drink, start praying. And then he got up and says, I want to bless you. And so he stood up and he laid hands on Lester, big old plumber hands, and he began to cry. The paraphrase of the story is, he began to pray. and says, Lord, I pray to this young man that all the faith that's in my heart be in his heart. All the gifts of the Spirit in my life will be in his life. And all, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. And they said goodbye. Never saw each other again. Well, they see each other now, but they're both in heaven now. Hallelujah. Sorry. <laughs> and then Lester began to share that. And I'm like, wow, that's incredible. And then he said this. He said, I'm going to pray for every person student here tomorrow night for the same transference of this anointing. I went, what? <laughs> I'm serious. I, the person sitting next to me was like, man, would you just be relaxed? I'm like, with friends like you, who needs enemies? Come on. Did you hear what he said? And so my badge number was like 780-something, okay? And they lined up all the 800 students, okay, the next night. And Lester just began to lay hands on people. He sat on the stage and just said, be blessed, be blessed. Be blessed for about three hours. Be blessed. Be blessed. Be blessed. Be blessed. Be blessed. Drive you crazy if you're at Carnal. Be blessed. Be blessed. Students walking by, be blessed. Okay. I'm blessed. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. And I watch these people. I'm like, they don't get it. Be blessed. Be blessed. Be blessed. 
770 something. Almost to my number. Be blessed. Be blessed. People sitting there going. And I said, you know, Lord, I was a child, a childlike faith. I said, you know what? I believe what he says. And Lord, I'm going to, because we had a class called Doctrines of Faith. One of them was the doctrine of laying on of hands. You know, it's a doctrine, you know, don't you? And talked about receiving, you know, a mantle, a fresh anointing. And I said, you know, as soon as he touches me, I'm going to be like a reverse vacuum cleaner. Hallelujah. I want it all. Hallelujah. Be blessed. Be blessed. Be blessed. And when I walked up, he laid hands on me. And out of all those people, he suddenly said, Receive the power of God. And I felt something hit me in the belly, and I somersaulted down. Ushers got me, ran me back to my seat. Kenneth Hagin's wife was going, see that boy? Something's wrong with him. See? Watch that boy. Watch that boy. He's that Jew boy. Yeah. <laughs> and I haven't been the same since then. Hallelujah. <laughs> Come on up here. We're going to pray for you. Hallelujah. We're going to line you up and then down here and we're just going to pray. Okay? We're just going to pray for transference. You may not feel anything. You may feel something. I don't know. But I'm just going to obey the Holy Ghost and just pray for you. This anointing is transferable. Hallelujah. Just make your spirit like flypaper, okay? And just as a contact point, as I pray that you take in that same anointing, it may manifest, it may not. But when you do get around people that have needs, hallelujah, you're going to feel something inside of you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. I delivered what you want me to share with your people tonight, Father. I thank you for your glory. I thank you for your presence, Father. Lord, let this not be hype. Let not people look to me. It's all about you, Jesus. You put this word in me to equip your saints in this hour. I'm nothing. You're everything. Lord, I pray as we obey to lay hands on your people tonight that you will do things before all we could ask, think, dream, or imagine. That Satan's infrastructure will collapse. Hallelujah. And then you would give us the strength to not in love even our lives unto death. And we would go from this place with soul winning. We would go from this place with like the early disciples speaking peace to houses, freely receiving, freely give, going, healing the sick, raising the dead, cleansing the lepers. Hallelujah. In the mighty name of Jesus.
thank you for being a part of Rivers in the Desert International, listening to our message today to you. Perhaps you have a friend, perhaps yourself are sitting there and wondering, where would I go if I died today? We'd like to give you a great privilege of praying with us and leading you to a knowledge of Jesus the Messiah. The Bible says, if any man or woman would call upon the name of Jesus, they would be saved. The Greek word for saved is healed, delivered. It's a wonderful promise. You're there now in your automobile, perhaps at home listening. Go ahead and pray this prayer with me. Say, Dear Father, I ask you in the name of Jesus to forgive me of my sins. The Bible says, if anybody would call upon your name, they'd be saved. I'm calling today, Lord. Save me. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Take all of my sins and cast them into the sea of forgetfulness. Father, I'm coming running home to you now. In your name I pray. Amen. If you'd like to contact us in our ministry, you may do so by writing us at Rivers in the Desert, P.O. Box 2788 in Alpharetta, Georgia, 30023 in the United States of America. Our ministry phone number is 770-777-0143. Of course, you can reach us anytime, 24-7, at our website contact page at www.flashfloods.com. Looking forward to hearing from you. We are here to help equip you to be tactical warriors in this hour, to wake up this church, to win and disciple lost souls, and to take out terrorism of all forms. God bless you. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Shalom, shalom. Shalom.